Minnesota United fans, save time every time when you use online check-in for a great haircut at Great Clips. Download our app or check in online at greatclips.com. Great Clips, it's going to be great. This is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. And welcome to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams alongside former U of M soccer player Kendra D. St. Aubin. Not really a match preview podcast today, though, Kay, with no match forthcoming for Minnesota United until the week after next. It's much more of a review podcast this time. And the subject of review is the addition and perhaps even the subtraction of Minnesota United players today. So we thought we'd bring in the perfect man to help us talk about that very subject. The man who does the deals, technical director of Minnesota United, Mark Watson, joins us. Watto, how are you? Welcome to the pod. I'm doing great, Cal. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Appreciate you coming on. Really, really do. So before we we get into the details, we know there's only so much you can share with us in terms of those details. But, you know... We, we, we think you like us, so we, we can get into a little bit of those details, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about the season so far for Minnesota United. Two wins, four losses, one tie. How do you assess what you've seen so far? I mean, I think, I think the results are pretty clear for everyone to see it. You know, we, we were not happy with the start of the season. Um, I think it was also fairly obvious we didn't have our group together. So, um, you know, we can delve into that in more detail <clears throat> in terms of how that played out and, and the planning side of that. But, um, you know, it's, it's not been as, as we'd hoped for. We'd, um, you know, we'd, we'd hope to, while we were getting healthy, you know, we've missed some key players from injury. And while we we're waiting for, you know, some really key additions, especially key attacking additions to get here, we, you know, we were hoping to, to be a little bit better off saying that, you know, after the four losses, that's a, that's a tough spot to be in. Um, you know, it, it, questions your your group your confidence um I, I think we know we have a good group of players uh i think the group knew that reinforcements were coming but it's still not a pleasant situation to be in to be owned for to start the season you you know you never want to wait for that first result or that first win to to get going so uh, but what i will do is give you know everyone in this group coaching staff all support staff and the players a lot of credit um, you know, bounced back with two very important wins um, and then got a good, good uh, results, uh, a, a draw on the road at Salt Lake. So, um, you know, that showed the group, that showed the, the strength of group and that showed the character. You know, we now will, uh, aside from a couple players leaving for Euros, have our, our signings in, you know, we're, we're healthier, uh, Debassi's fit, Nico Hansen's fit. Um, you know, and I think we'll get a, a really good chance to see the additions in Adrian Hunu and Franco Pregapani to the group. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, we wouldn't have preferred the slow start, but I think we're on a, on a really good path and we're looking forward to the rest of the season. And Wado, you talk about the slow start and you've been in the locker room as a player and a coach. How challenging is that to really keep the group together and to keep the spirits high? Because we hear Adrian, he talk about it. And of course you want the mentality to be positive, but how difficult is it really when you start off that way um, and, and to get the results in the in the next two games that you guys did? 
Yeah, so let me just say first that, you know, we're 0-4, but we weren't an 0-4 team. And there's no one that said that, hey, we went into those four games and we got blown out. Like, we're getting killed. This team is a million miles away from, from getting a result. That wasn't the case. It, it does, it, I mean, if you're honest, it shakes your confidence a little bit. You know, just, just losing and losing the, the first four to start the season. The, the group knows that we've got good players. We know we've got a good group. We knew that, you know, healthy players are coming back and new additions are coming in. So that was always there. But what you do on a Monday morning is you, you know, you talk about it you, and you go, let's get back to work. This the only way we get out of this is by everyone digging in and we work, we fix the problems. We continue to get better. We can continue to get fitter. You know, we're going to be in a situation where it's going to be really tough to get into our starting 11. So everyone's earning a spot every single day, you know, and you, you just, you just approach every week like that. You learn from your mistakes. You know, we made some, some big defensive mistakes. Um, you know, and we, and you can't do that to win games at the highest level. So you, you address those problems, but you start the week really positive guys. This, this is a big week of training. Um, we got a good group here. We'll keep working. That's the only way you, you get yourselves out of these situations. So, um, you know, it's not the first time it's happened. It's not the first time we've all been in a situation where you just don't know, uh, when your next win is, is going to come from. Um, but I still think even though there's the confidence was shaken a little bit. I still think there was a really strong belief in this group, and there is. And I think the last three games have shown that. So let's get into some of the players that were brought in during the off-season then, Watto. And, and, and before we concentrate on the bulk of, of the internal Major League Soccer trades that were done, can you talk us through what it takes to make an internal MLS trade? Is it someone like yourself contacting the other technical director at the opposing club, does it go through the agent or is it a bit of both? Yeah, I would say for internal deals, it's mostly club to club. So it'd be someone like myself um, speaking to the, the, the counterpart at another club. Agents are involved. Agents are probably more involved internationally in terms of getting deals done. Um, it's more challenging with connections. It's more challenging, you know, culturally in terms of how they uh, have expectations of getting deals done. And there's obviously some language issues depending on what country you're dealing with. So, but the internal stuff is, is mostly club to club. You know, it's a small community. We, we all know each other, um, you know, and we, and we talk regularly. So those, those deals are all, all club to club for the most part. Okay. So let's start with, with some of the players that we've seen a decent chunk of over the course of, of the first six or seven games. Let's start with Will Trapp, shall we? I think there was, there was an obvious need in that area because of Ozzy Alonso's age. He's not getting any younger. I, I think the thought moving into it was that he would perhaps play a bit part role. He, he may play a handful of games here and there. So, so there was certainly a need in that area. Why Will Trapp and, and how was he originally identified? Yeah, so, um, yeah, the, the whole position thing is, is really interesting because we have an incredible amount of talent and depth at that position. We have, we have five players that could play any game and, you know, play at a really high level and win, and win games. Obviously, Ozzy's been, for me, the best player in that position the, the league has ever seen, but he's 35 and we know that he's, he's not going to be available and at his peak for, for 34 games. Um, but we felt as a club, it was really important to have Ozzy back. You know, he's been a big part of this club's growth, our, albeit short history, but, you know, our, um, our vastly and rapidly improving history. Um, you know, and his, his value isn't necessarily measured just on the field, 
it's off the field and it's just having someone of his stature around. So we, we chose to add um, another player to that group. Um, and, and Will Trapp's been around a long time. He's an elite player in the league. Um, he's another captain. You know, we've known him for years and years, you know, primarily with Columbus and some very good teams with Greg Berhalter. He was kind of the, the linchpin number six, kind of ran, ran the show from that position and then went to Inter-Miami. So we knew him well. Um, it was a really easy decision. Um, the, the one factor that really pushed it forward is Will was a, a, a free agent, so he could have gone anywhere with some you know, new salary restrictions. They have restrictions on free agents, depending on how many years they've been in the league, et cetera. Um, Will wanted to come to us. We were choice number one. So that says a lot about him. That says a lot about where our club is at. Um, and he wanted to come to us. So the, the deal happened pretty quickly. Um, uh, you know, obviously Adrian is a big fan of the player, you know, and when this was presented to him and we had the discussion, um, it, it was a pretty easy discussion. There were some phone calls. You always do your, your due diligence in terms of just making sure that, you know, what you, what you know, and your, and your perception is actually reality. So you call some trusted sources and you do all that type of work behind the scenes, but there, it, it didn't take that long. The, the message was very consistent. We knew we were getting an elite player at a great age, you know, and we were his club of choice. And that really matters. We, we really value what we have here and, you know, players that want to be here, it goes a long way. So, you know, that deal was, um, you know, happened pretty early on. There's certain, you know, timelines and things that guide you through um, the free agency process, especially someone with that many years in the league. Um, you know, but it was a pretty easy deal. We're signing an elite player and an elite person. One real quick from me on Will Trap, Mark. What what is your assessment of him thus far? You just named all the attributes of why you wanted him, but what's your assessment of him so far in this group, in this system? And then also, what what would you say is his best attribute that he's been able to contribute to Minnesota United? Not just what you've seen from his prior experience, but what he's contributed to this club. Um. Yes, it's a good question. I think, and I won't just say my own opinion, but the the kind of consensus in the in the staff is he was better in so many ways than we thought. You know, he has he has great leadership. Um, I would say his two strengths are just technical ability, his ability to use the ball, and then tactically how to get on the ball and just understanding, you know, the little tactical situations, the numbers up, you know. Um, opportunities that we want to try and you know break lines or move forward um you know he he's very flexible he's he's very comfortable playing a defined six or if we're in a four two three one playing with two in central midfield so um you know he's he's a top player and and we we haven't been disappointed we've probably been been pleasantly surprised if, if we're quite honest you don't know till you see someone every day you see them in the locker room you see their their habits in terms of how they approach all the all the peripheral things, all the um, you know the nutritional side, the you know the re, the rehab side, the um, you know just all the little things. His work in the gym, the prehab. Everyone has individual plans, and he's he, he's a consummate pro, and he's been a, a really big big part of this leadership group. So we've been really happy with him. You know, I, I think he'll get better and better as he's used to the. The systems we play, we tend to fluctuate between two different systems, um, you know, and I think his his 
level of play and understanding is only going to improve from here? I think one thing, Walter, that is unbelievably obvious is the depth that this roster now has, particularly compared to the, the first couple of years that Minnesota United were in Major League Soccer as well. You added tremendously to the depth with players like Yuka Reitler, Juan Agudelo and, and Nico Hansen. How important was it to add players like that to this roster, but also players that had a lot of MLS experience as well? It's key. I mean, you everyone wants the the big the big splash signing, and and those were obviously um, you know key parts. But the the group um, strength and the group depth and you know, adding MLS experience and MLS character guys was was as important to our off-season roster build. Um, so you look at Yuka Raitala, who can play a bunch of different positions, good player, fantastic pro, been a great fit. And we'll go through that process with, with all these players, um, you know, and they don't get the, the notoriety or the fanfare that some of the other ones do. But um, these guys are really important, especially when, you know, you have injuries, you have players coming in late, you have, you know, international windows. You have international tournaments in the summer. This is, this is a very, very busy schedule. We delayed the start because of COVID, obviously. Now we're trying to still play the same amount of games and incorporate the same amount of tournaments, minus the U.S. Open Cup, in a really condensed schedule. So we need, um, we need depth. We need, you know, depth at certain positions, especially um, knowing that, you know, right now we have. Uh, the two Finnish players and and Jan Greg was with Slovakia at the Euros. We knew these things were coming, so we wanted to adjust accordingly. So um, we we felt we did a really good job with those those types of players. We still haven't seen a, a lot of players that we will, um, you know. And I think that that depth will be shown and exposed even in greater um, detail as as we go along through the summer. Well, and one of those players with MLS experience is Juan Agudelo. When you brought him in, what was the conversation like or how did he end up here? And also, did you feel maybe there was an extra added motivation that he had something to prove still knowing he didn't have the greatest years um, in Miami in, in the past season? Yeah, one of the big motive. I mean, we, we, we know about Juan. Um, Adrian's a big fan of his and, and always has been. He worked with him for a couple of weeks when he was in Orlando. So had a firsthand experience of, you know, him as a player, his qualities, um, and him as a person, as, as, as important as anything. So that was a big motivator. You know, we wanted someone uh, to supplement the, the final group and some of the, some of the players weren't in yet. Um, so it was maybe hard to see the, the bigger picture in terms of, of adding him. Um, you know, and Juan, unfortunately, Juan's had some injury issues, so we haven't seen the best of him yet. He's not really had a, a good run of games or a good run of training to get to his level. Um, but he's back training now. And, you know, the, the, the blessing in disguise of the two week break, I don't think anyone wants to take a two week break, but, you know, we will now have a much fitter, sharper uh, Juan Agadello as well as others, you know, coming into our, our next, our next run of games. So I think Juan will be, you know, one player, especially that will really benefit from this, you know, look at it two and a half weeks of, of training and games and, and additional fitness to get himself to the, the level we know he can get to. Whilst we're on the subject of depth, Watto, one thing that we've noticed from the outside is that the, the squad's got a lot younger as well. And you've added a lot of young players into the core. And because of the, the size of the roster, it's now given you the ability to be able to loan out a couple of players, a couple of the, the younger players 
for them to get first team experience. Callum yeah. Montgomery, Nabil Kibaguchi have, have just gone out to, to USL. Also, Thomas Chacon has gone out on loan to, to Uruguay as well. Um, how, how key is that for their development, not only for them personally, but for the football club as well? Yeah, so, I mean, I, th- I think it's important for any club, the, you know, the, the roster is set up to, to promote that. You know, there's some new mechanisms coming into, into place with the, um, the DP slash young DP slash YPS kind of mechanisms and how, you know, how we as a club want to approach that, uh, that situation. You know, I think we looked at our roster in general and thought we need to get a little bit younger moving forward. So, um, you know, we, we hope to continue to get Academy players in, we hope to still do well in the draft. Um, but there was a big push to try and find, you know, the next wave of Hassani Dotsons and Chase Gaspers and, uh, and Dane St. Clair. So, we feel really good about the young kids. Um, just looking at my board here. So we we feel, you know, if I just look at the draft, we added um, Navi Kibanguchi and we added um, Justin McMaster. We think they have really bright futures. The one thing we haven't been doing right now is, is getting them enough games. I'll throw Callum Montgomery in. We picked him up uh, in a trade from, from Dallas. We have Foster Langsdorf. We signed Aziel Jackson to a homegrown deal as well as, as Patrick Wea. So... We feel we have a really talented um, young group of kids. It's just a matter of now, can we, you know, improve them in training, but as importantly, improving in games. And it's, it's, you know, eventually when we have our own second team and there's a lot of um, discussions, you know, in, in terms of a, a, a macro point of view, in terms of what the league is doing in that regard, but it, it's so important to get them games. You know, we always, and this is, you know, globally discussed, you know, a player needs 30 games a year to, to really develop because you can do well in training, you can do well being at the club and being in our environment, but ultimately you need to play games. So um, I don't think we'll get to 30 with any of these players, you know, but it's important they get out now having, you know, six weeks of the season gone by, they need to play games. So we, you know, we've had a lot of interest in our players. We wanted to make sure that they were going into somewhere where there was an expectation to play and they can get the minutes to grow and also the minutes to get fit that if and when they do come back, they're able to jump into the first team and, you know, and be fit and sharp and, and at least be in a position to impress and, and potentially play more. You know, sometimes all these kids need is an opportunity to play. They do well, the team wins, and then their career is off and running. So, um, you know, it's challenging to, to get them all out on loan into, into good situations. Um, but we think we've, we've done that and, you know, we assume they'll come back fitter, sharper and improved players and, you know, looking forward to getting their opportunity in the first team. I was just going to ask you that about sort of how the decision-making process comes out of where each player is going and what benefits you versus what benefits the club they're being loaned to. And then also when you're looking at the players that aren't going out on loan and are staying, but maybe not getting a ton of minutes because it's a necessity of the roster that you guys need and the depth you need, like a Justin McMaster who played a bit in the start of the season, but hasn't played as much of late. How do you try to balance that for a young player like that and his development where you can't send him on alone because you need him here, but you know, he's also not getting the game minutes. Right. It's a good question. So there's a really fine balance. We obviously need to make sure the first team is, is the priority. The first team squad is important. You know, we can, we can now name 20, 20 players to a match day roster. We need to make sure we're covered on that. The one thing we had now and why most of the players are going on loan, on loan now 
we wanted them with the first team. We wanted them, you know, to learn the way we do things. But with a, a two-week break, we thought this was a great opportunity for these kids to go out and start playing. When they come back is something that we will determine relative to, you know, the health of the squad, making sure we're covered on, on a match day. But this was to get them games, to get them started. You know, the, the rules per MLS and, and USL, they can only go to one club a year. So um, those clubs were handpicked in terms of, you know, the, the club, the city, the, the tactics, the coach, and a reasonable expectation to play. You know, we're not sending these players just to make up the numbers. Um, you know, we, we wouldn't necessarily say you have to play because we want the situation to be real and them, you know, earning their spot, so to speak. Um, but there is still a, a pretty strong expectation to play. This club has to, you know, like the player and have a need for that position. So it's, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, but we felt this was the right time to, you know, given the, given the lack of games in the next couple of weeks to start a lot of these, uh, loan spells for our, for our young guys and young games. How does that work then, Walter, in terms of you send, let's say, for example, Kibanguchi on, on loan to Sacramento? I'm assuming the location of, of the loan was important as well. Kibanguchi obviously has spent a lot of time around Sacramento Republic and, yeah. and seems to be fairly comfortable. So I wonder how yeah. important location is. But but also, are there limitations? You know, you mentioned before that you can send Kibanguchi on loan to Sacramento. If there is a need, you can bring him back. Can right. you keep going back and forth or is there a limitation? So that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm going to leave the going back and forth one for now um, because there's there's some, some interesting kind of changes this year. The one thing we are aware of is the COVID situation. Um, last year, you know, we had to be aware of the quarantine side. Um, in the end, they shut down all loans unless it was, a, was your own second team. This year, we're allowed to bring the players back. And it all depends on if they've been vaccinated or not and uh, the quarantine stuff. So it's a lot easier this year, but we are we basically monitor everything relative to the first team. So all these players have, have gone out on loan. Um, you know, there's different situations for different players, but the expectation would be to stay as long as possible unless we need them back here. So we, we basically reevaluate every week, um, you know, the, the, if a player is vaccinated, there's actually no quarantine, so we don't have to be very conscious of that. If a player wasn't vaccinated, we would have to be aware enough to bring them back five days prior to so they could serve a quarantine. So there's there's a lot going on. Every situation is different. To just touch on the Nabi situation, he's he you know, lived very close to Sacramento. He trained with them. He knew the coach. That was a really easy one. They requested him. You know, They said he would play. Um, you know, he, he was very familiar with the situation. So we thought that was a good fit for him. Uh, I mean, we have a good relationship with their coach. We, we like how he runs his club. We know how he approaches things tactically. Um, so that was a really good fit, but every situation is different. It's the club, it's the city, it's have they been vaccinated. It's, um, there's, there's just so many things that go into place. Um, and we want to make sure it's a, it's a good situation for our players to play and develop. That's, that's, that's the real core objective. Okay. Uh, talking of good areas for players to play, Minnesota United seems now to be able to 
attract players from overseas much easier than they, they used to be able to as well. So let, let's get really into some of the bigger signings that have come in, shall we, Watson, over the course of the last couple of months. Um, yeah. let, let's start with, with, with one that is full of intrigue in, in Adrian Unu. Um, this is somebody who, who I know for a fact you, you've been looking at for a long time, I, maybe even a, a, for over a year. I remember uh, talking to Amos McGee, who had said that he had gone and, and scouted him and had a look at him when he was playing uh, in Ligue 1. Um, why, why him? Why, why Unu? And what were the key components that, that you thought would make him a real benefit to Minnesota United on the field? And then also the deal off the field as well, because we, we know there was some money spent on this individual as well. Yeah, so good good question. Um, I'll go back to the beginning. We've had him on our radar for three plus years. Um, so Adrian Hunu is a really interesting player. He, he is he is as versatile as they get in terms of an attacking player. Um, you know, our initial interest in him was playing at a high level, scoring goals on a very regular basis. Um, but more than anything, we, we felt from a really early point in time, he would be a great fit for our, our group. And what I mean by that is he, he's a fantastic kid. He's an incredible professional. He has as much running in him as, you know, I've seen in any player. And to touch on the versatility, he can play anywhere across the front, and he has scored goals from any one of those positions. So, um, you know, he he just attracted us in all those calls. We've watched him for three years. We were very close to signing him last year. He was he was in the last year of his contract, um, so he potentially would have been a free transfer last summer. Uh, so we I was I went over to France to to meet him to to watch him play and to see if we could get that deal over the line. In the end, he re-signed with Ren. Um, you know, he's, he's an incredibly popular player there, the most popular player at Ren. Um, he didn't start every game. I would say he started one in two or one in three. Um, you know, but if you look at a club like Ren, and, and some people don't know the name. It's not, it's not a PSG. It's not a Marseille. It's not a Monaco. But it is a really big club. And if you look at some of the players that, are there some of the players they've sold on uh, the strength of their youth academy? It's it's a really imp impressive club. So he's at a really high level. Um, you know they they buy players for a lot of money, expecting them to to double or triple their money and sell them to the Premier League. They have Kamavinga now, a young midfielder who will probably go between eighty and hundred million euros or pounds to Real Madrid, PSG, Barcelona. That's the type of club they have. They bought a striker for, you know, 20 something million. They expect to sell him for 35 million. So we're talking at a, a really elite level. If Adrian Hunu was playing every game, we, we wouldn't have access to him. We thought, and he has some similarities to Reynoso in terms of, you know, him and his status at a really, at a really big club. Um, but what we saw time and time again, whether he was starting, whether he was coming off the bench, he is a goal scorer, um, you know, and as much as we're looking for the goals, and that was, that's the key thing, he's coming here to score goals. The way he goes about it, um, the defensive work that he he does to win the ball back in good areas to then score goals, um, the type of person he is, he's an unbelievable professional. 
And, and the caveat to all this, he wants to be here, you know, and that's something that it really matters. We, we touched on it with Will Trapp. This is something that he has wanted for two and a half years to come play in Minnesota. And, and that means a lot to us. So, um, you know, we feel he can score goals as a nine. He's a false nine. He can play any of the wide positions and he can play, I wouldn't say a 10, but I would say a second striker. So someone that can work off a number nine. So if, if we have a number nine in the roster that we feel is doing really well, he's very complimentary to him playing either side as well. Um, also, didn't he, and apologies for the interruption, didn't he walk into the manager's office at then and say, that's it, I want to go to Minnesota, I can't wait around anymore? So, so he did. And I can tell you the only reason uh, he is here today is because of his, you know, stance he took with his club. So let me, I'll give you a little bit of detail and put it in perspective. He's wanted to be here for a long time. We've been in contract through, through different people. We don't contact the player directly. Um, so this is in early January and we, we had a, you know, a fairly substantial list of number nines and, you know, wide players and, and, you know, attacking players that we felt would, would be good fits in our system. Um, you know, we, we got in touch with Adrian saying, you know, this is a possibility. And he said straight away, I want to be in Minnesota. And I, I can't tell you the, the depth of, you know, kind of him extending himself to do what he did to get this deal over the line. So this is his boyhood club. He is literally a hero at their stadium. Like he is, you know, being from the academy, you know, he is someone that they, they absolutely love. He's been there a long time. He scored a lot of goals um, and he's got a, a lot of loyalty to the club. But he, he basically went in and said, you know, listen, I, I want to go to Minnesota. Um, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, please let me go. There was still a deal that had to be negotiated and we had some rough terms on that. Um, but he basically put his neck on the line and said, you know, I want to leave and I want to go to Minnesota. So it took months. Um, we were in a fortunate position and not that we didn't want our roster set by, you know, everyone being there from the first day of preseason. We did. We certainly wanted everyone in for the first game of the season. Um, but we had the luxury of FIFA extended our transfer window till June 1st. So we knew that, you know, we had a little bit of time. Um, we would have then got a fairly fit player um, as long as we could get it done before June 1st. So it was back and forth. Um, Ren changed coaches after about a couple of months, you know, but he very systematically went in, you know, once a week and said, I want to leave the club, you know, and over time, it, it basically um, got to the point where that's what's happened. And, you know, it, it's, it's a really big deal for him to do that. His playing time significantly diminished once he did that. You know, he would have been seen as a player that wasn't committed to the cause. They had a little, a little slide that took him out of the, you know, the European spots. And that's what that club's aspirations are to be in Europe, whether it's the Champions League or, or the Europa League. Um, you know, and he was now seen as, uh, still a club hero by by the supporters, but by administration as someone that didn't want to be there because he wants to be in Minnesota. So, um, you know, it was it was a really big deal for him. He really stuck his neck on the line. If things didn't go well, he would have been in a really tough spot. Um, so I can't tell enough about 
um, you know, him, the process he went through, and and just the character of this kid and his desire to be here and, and all those things combined, we know we've got a really good one for the long term. And Wado, moving on to another player that came in nearly at the same time as Unu is Franco Fragapane. And I think yeah. you've probably realized in this role of yours now how every single deal is so different and how it involves and who you're working with and the hoops that you have to jump through. And we can talk about Avila as well, but mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about Fragapane and how that went down. And now it was the opposite. They were playing him as much as they could before they allowed him, <laughs> allowed him to come here, which was the complete opposite of a new situation. Yeah. So the, the similarity between the two and the similarities ended pretty quickly, but um, he, he is another player. He was at Tayeras in, in Argentina, they didn't want to let him go. That was that was the core of this, and neither did Ren with with Adrian Nunu. These are really good players. Um, you know, Fragapani was their their best player, and they didn't want to let him go. But um, it, I'll, I'll back up a little bit in terms of he's another player that that we have a long history with, in, at least in terms of us knowing about him. I saw him play a couple years ago when he was playing for Union, another club in the, the Argentine first division. And he was like, you know, heads and tails, the best player on the field, really technical, really explosive, played wide left, um, but coming inside on his dominant right foot, um, good pace and movement and kind of tactical understanding to get past people. Good 1v1, um, has, has really good goal, goal scoring instincts but more than anything, a relentless runner, you know, and he is 90 minutes of work and fight and energy similar to Adrian Hanu. So, um, you know, he's been someone very, very high on, on our list for a long time. Um, so now we looked at him as, as someone that can also play multiple positions. He could play, I wouldn't say he's a nine or a false nine. He's, he's more of a wide player, most comfortable on the left coming in on his right side. That was a position of need. For us coming out of the the off season season, we lost a player in that position. So, you know, this is um this is a a very kind of clear positional need, um, and we thought he'd be a great fit. He's he's a good kid, um, you know. And we watched him for for two and a half years, and every time he plays, he plays the same way. Getting into the deal, and just so you know, I had no gray hair before the start of this deal. So, these have just come in in the past couple months. Um, um, they, so they didn't, they didn't want to let him go. The negotiations took a long time. Uh, there was a lot of, a lot of twists and turns. Um, you know, I think there was some gamesmanship involved. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with, we don't want our, our best player to go right now. We want to keep him for a little bit longer. We're competing in the Argentine league. We're com- competing in, uh, Copa Sudamericana. So, um, you know, it, it took some time. We, we had an agreement that the player could continue to play until he received his, his visa at the, the U.S. Embassy in Buenos Aires. That took a little longer. Some of the paperwork took a little longer. Some other things took a little bit longer. So uh, it was a challenge. He's here now. Uh, he's fit and healthy, and we think he's going to make a, a really big impact. Um, another character guy. I spoke about all his qualities. You know, we think he's going to be a massive upgrade and going to be a really big part of our, you know, our core group moving forward. We signed him for three and a half years, so he's he's here for the long term. About the other one that you brought in as well, in Ramon Avila. Um, 
not quite as difficult to prize him away. I think uh, Miguel Angel Russo and in particular Juan Roman Riquelme um, were, were looking elsewhere. Um, what was behind bringing in Ramon Avila from, from such a big club, a club that you've, you've already dealt with in Boca Juniors? You had a prior relationship with them after the Reynoso deal, but what, what were the, the dealings in terms of bringing somebody like Avila in who has scored goals at a, a very, very high level? Yeah, so, I mean, this this was a completely different deal. Um, you know, and we've all been in a COVID world for a long time now. So there was, up until the past, you know, couple of months, there was there was no scouting. Um, but Ramon Avila is, is a known quantity. Um, I did see him play for Boca Juniors when I was down a couple previous times. You know, he was, um, I mean, essentially, he's the number one goal scorer in Argentina the past four years. He's, you know, roughly 40... 40 goals in, in 80 games. So he's a known quantity. He's 31 years old. So he's a little bit older. Um, and the deal came about pretty quickly. We, we had, you know, some, some other players we were looking at some of those deals didn't happen or all those deals didn't happen for, for various reasons for the most part financially was, was the, was the core of it. Um, so we're now looking for a, you know, a player that can play number nine and add to our depth in that position. And, you know, we, we heard about his availability. We weren't able to, you know, scout him in a conventional way and see him play and go meet him and, and do all the, uh, all the due diligence that we, we would normally try and do, you know, we, we weren't able to get into Argentina. Um, so it was a lot of Y scout work. Um, and the deal came about fairly quickly. You know, we, we felt comfortable with his, his past. We felt comfortable with his, I mean, even the analytics were, were incredibly impressive on him in terms of, um, you know, goal production and kind of, um, you know, combining assists and goals um, in the Argentine first division. He was he was rated number one. So we did as much work as as we we could have given COVID, um, you know, and added him to the group. I don't think he's hit full stride yet. You know, I think um, he did have some groin problems and a, and a surgery in, in January. So Ramon has uh, has not hit his peak yet, but. You know he's he's an elite goal scorer. Was at at Boca Juniors for a long time and 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 played and did really well at a very very high level. Um, you know he scored a big goal for us at home against um, or at, to to win our first game at home. So uh, I think his his goal scoring ability is um, is there for everyone to see. And we we think there's there's better things ahead for Ramon. Yeah, let's hope so. Looking forward to seeing how much Ramon Abila develops here at Minnesota. Um, okay, well, let's start to, to wind things down here, shall we, Walter? And I would love to ask you about international football. Um, as far as I'm aware, outside of Europe, Minnesota United have more players um, at the Euros than, than anybody else. Um, I think that's correct. I've done a couple of um, bits of research, and I'm fairly certain that's correct. Um, okay. First of all, how, how much does that that mean to you as the technical director of the football club and also how excited are you for Robin Lerd, Yuka Reitela and Jan Gregus? Yeah, well, I'm not going to argue on the stats, Cal. I know you, I know you do your work and um, I'll, I'll believe you on that, but you know, it's maybe a, a testament to our club and, and where we're at having players at this level, you know, competing at the, at the top level of, of international football. So um, we're, we're really excited for those. The one thing I will say about the international players, and it's and it's it's a little bit of a conundrum. It's certainly a fine balance. Um, 
you know, you want the best players at your club. Quite often those players are international, but we have, we have to find a situation where we have the right amount of international players. Um, so when they do have these tournaments, when they have these international windows that we're, that we're still able to, to compete and, and not decimate our club too much. I, I think we do have that balance. Um, and now we're looking at, you know, three of our players going to play in the Euros, which, you know, it's maybe not the level of the World Cup, but especially in Europe, it's just a shade under. Um, and we're, we're very proud of these guys. They're, they're big achievements for both clubs, for Finland and Slovakia. I don't know how many tournaments each country has been in. You probably know that because you're, you're a big stat guy. But I think for, for these players and their respective countries to be in the Euros is a massive achievement. And it's, it's a huge reflection on our club as well. You know, it shows that we have good players. We are, um, you know, playing those players at a very high level and improving those players. And that's something we, we want to be known for. So we'll be walking, watching Slovakia uh, and Finland's games very avidly. The whole group will, you know, and we wish them well. We will miss them for games. Uh, we think two to three games, depending on how they do. Um, if they make it all the way, then it's, it's more games. Um, so we'll miss them on those, but there's there's a big supporter section here for both of those players and both of those clubs at the Euros. And I want to talk um, about Dane St. Clair too, Mark, in a second, but how important is it to have good relationships with those coaches from those international, from those national teams? So you're trying to balance what's a friendly, what's important, what should they miss? I know you guys never want to turn down an opportunity for these guys to represent their country, but how important is it to have those good relationships? You know, it, it's really important as much to stay on top of, um, you know, how, how they do things. You know, every player has a really specific kind of plan they adhere to. So we want a seamless transition uh, and a real, real extensive knowledge base when those players go into, you know, a different club, a different camp, a different way of doing business. So the, the connection is important in terms of the international windows. When it's an international window, we, we really don't have a choice. We have to release the player on on the the first day whether it's the sunday or the monday after their games some of the, some of the tournaments that aren't fifa sanctioned necessarily connecting to international windows we don't so that's when relationships come into place um you know certain times it's better for a player to stay with us other times it's it's maybe preferred to go to go play with them so those are the, those are the situations where the the personal relationship really helps you know, and we can we can have a discussion and and really look at the facts and, and what is best for the, for the player. The countries always want the player. They're you know they want to win games. Their jobs are on the line, but we obviously want to um, you know protect the the best interests of Minnesota United. We have great relationships with all the countries, um, you know, and we haven't had any 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 major issues. So uh, we're fortunate with that, um, you know, and and we're very supportive of of the international um tournaments and, and qualifying games you know it's the it's the highest honor to represent your country you know we we had the ability to to see Hassani Dotson go to the Olympic qualifiers with the U.S. we had um Cal Montgomery go for Canada so those are those are big opportunities neither team qualified unfortunately so that was disappointing but um and those are tournaments we didn't have to let the players go but we were, we're a club that really unless it's extreme circumstances would never stand in the way of any player um, and their international uh, future. Well, and speaking of that, with Dane St. Clair away with the Canadian men's national team for their World Cup qualifiers, they've had a couple games. I saw Dane played the 90 minutes um, the other day. What do you make of his development and him going and representing his country? And then also just 
the mental maybe mindset you saw him head off with the national team, knowing that now he's not currently the starter of the club here, how does that maybe change his, his swagger and his confidence or didn't it? Dane's a pretty confident guy. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to, going to knock down his confidence, but no, we, we, we were very happy to see him get the start against the Rubets. I mean, your debut for your country, um, you know, it's not not the toughest opponent, so we expected a win. I don't know if he had any shots on goal, so but a clean sheet in your debut for your your country is a is a big moment. Um, we're very bullish on Dane and his future, you know, and we feel we have a unique situation here. We have we have two really high level starting goalkeepers, and it, it doesn't get spoken about much, but the the players that are underneath them, Adrian Zendejas and Fred Emmings, we've got two fantastic goalkeepers improving and you know, pushing them for spots down the road. So, um, you know, but in terms of Dane and, and Tyler Miller, you know, it's a great situation to have because we have two players that have the complete confidence of, of the staff and the club. Um, it's a, it's a great battle for them in terms of who's going to play. Dane played the first four games. Um, then Tyler's played the last three, you know, and, and we're very fortunate. We have two elite goalkeepers at the club you know, competition for places is, is high. So I think, you know, when someone's playing the, um, the pressure is to, you know, train and play at a high level and help your team win games, or there's someone looking over your shoulder and, and, you know, I can't wait to, to be in that spot. So um, in terms of, in terms of depth, it's, we have, you know, off the charts depth in terms of the goalkeeper position, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Tyler's doing really well. The team's winning um, and we'll see how it plays out for the rest of the season. Wonderful. Uh, Walter, before we let you go, one final question. To my knowledge, the secondary MLS transfer window opens July 7th. Is that of particular interest to you, or to Minnesota United? Do you expect any sort of activity? So you are correct. Once again, calendar dates, yeah, July 7th through August 5th. We will probably have the shortest break ever between transfer windows because the last transfer window just ended June 1st. Uh, so what is that a month and spend six days? Um, you know, we, we have a pretty full roster right now, you know, but I will say we're always looking to get better, you know, so we have, um, you know, a, a running kind of perpet perpetual list of players at every position. They're constantly being vetted in terms of availability, in terms of cost, in terms of, you know, are they the right player for our system? Um, you know, that's something we do throughout the year. There's not a lot of club football going on right now, but our, our scouting will change to, you know, certain countries that are still playing and also the international game. So um, if something does come up during that time frame, um, and we think it's going to help the club get better, whether it's, you know, just the quality of the player, whether it's planning for the future, you know, we're, we are a salary cap league. We always have to um, be very mindful of that. A lot of times it drives our decision-making. Um, you know, we will in 2022 go into another year where they will have not raised the salary cap. So that'll be three years on the bounce. That in itself is a, is a big challenge. Um, players contracts go up anywhere between three and, you know, 15 to 20%, depending. Um, so that all has to be factored in. So that's a, that's a long answer to a pretty simple question. We, we will be aware of what's going on and potentially active if the right situation presents itself. Wonderful. Mark Watson, technical director at Minnesota United. Thank you very much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. 
my thanks to Kindred East St. Albany, our producer, Tyson Hill, and of course, to you, the listener, for listening as well. Remember, as always, for all the latest, keep it right here on mnufc.com.